before we go any further, let's pray, and then we're going to dive into tonight's uh, message. So, dear God, we just thank you so much, uh, God, for who you are. Um, God, you're a God that loves us. God, you're a God that cares for us. Um, God, you you can sympathize with the things that we're going through. Uh, God, because many of us are going through things, and many of us are going through things, but we're going to go through things, and many of us have gone through things. And God, we thank you that you love us, um, God, and you care for us in all those things. Uh, so God, we just pray that, um, God, you be glorified in all that we do. God, we just pray that tonight as we as we come and we hear your word, uh, God, I pray that uh, your word, God, uh, from, from your scriptures, Lord God, that it would... Uh, encourage us, uh, God, and that each and every single one of us would leave here uh, encouraged by what your word has to say. Uh, God, that your word would inspire us. Uh, it would spur us on uh, to do the work that you have called us to do. Uh, God, that it would inspire uh, the way we think uh, when it comes to uh, you and your body uh, and, and the church. Uh, God, and we pray that your word would challenge us. Um, God, that it would challenge us uh, to step out. It would challenge us uh, to step in. It would challenge us, uh, God, just to live more like you, uh, God, to live more for you. So, God, we just pray those things. God, we pray that none of these would be my words, uh, but, God, that you would speak through. Um, God, that anything that would be of me, God, may it just fall on deaf ears uh, or, or, or may not even be able to come out of my mouth. Uh, but, God, may your perfect word ring through because, God, you are so great and you have so much for us. Uh, so, God, we just thank you and we praise you in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Open your Bibles with me, folks, uh, to Ephesians as we are continuing the series through the book of Ephesians. How many of you guys are loving Ephesians right now? Come on. All right. There we go. I like it. And uh, we've been in Ephesians now going on. If you would believe this, this is week 11 in Ephesians. Can you believe that? We've been in Ephesians forever, and we're still going to be in it for probably at 11. No, no, we're going to be in it a few more weeks. Uh, how many of you guys enjoyed our guest speakers last week? The Welties. we got to hear from them again uh, on Sunday night, and it's just awesome uh, to, to hear from people who are going out onto the mission field uh, and just doing the work, doing what God has called them to do. Uh, and, and, and that whole talk about calling, we're going to talk a little bit about calling tonight, because I think some of you in this room might be people who someday are going to be missionaries, okay? Yeah. Um, and, and maybe you're not an overseas missionary, but you're for sure going to be a missionary here on the home front. So, so we're going to kind of get up to that a little bit later on tonight. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to be picking up in verse 7. But we're going to get there in just a few moments, but we got to do some review first, because you guys know I love review. Uh, and now that I've given you a beautiful PowerPoint uh, presentation, you guys can follow along. So I'd encourage you to be taking notes. If you're not taking notes, uh, shame on you, but that's okay. Uh, y'all should take notes, because y'all know that uh, you have a better retention if you take the notes. You have about 80% better chance remembering something if you write it down. That 80% jumps up to 90% if you just read it once. If you read it more than once, you go up over 95% um, possibility of remembering what uh, you wrote down. So it is important because I believe God's word is important as you guys believe God's word is important. So we want to remember the things um, which we hear from God's word. So guys, Ephesians, if you guys remember, um, is, is a book uh, that has a theme. And this book's theme is new life 
in Christ, the life of the believer. And, and, and we've been looking at what the life of the believer really is to be. The book of Ephesians breaks down super simple for us because that's the way Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He writes it in a super simple way. And so best summed up, the first part of the book is all about the richness of the believer, the blessings, the spiritual blessings that we have as being a part of the family of God. It's the wealth that we receive. You can go back real quick, John. Uh, it, it's the wealth that we receive, and that's the richness of the believer. Then we move into into the section we're in right now, the reflections of the believer. Because if we are living with these blessings, if we are living with these riches, then we must reflect something. And if we are not reflecting Christ, what are we reflecting? And if we're not reflecting Christ, we are hypocrites, and that's a bad thing to be. And lastly, with the riches that we have and our reflections, if we are doing these properly, so bringing Christ everywhere we go, we're going to face some opposition. And how many of you guys know being a Christian, you face opposition in our world? Okay, It's a very real deal. And so as Christians, we need to be ready. So the last part of the book deals with the readiness of the believer. We're looking at the spiritual warfare side and knowing what our spiritual warfare is, but we're also looking at how we got to be ready in season and out to give a defense and an answer for the faith that we have and the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So just a recap really quickly. Uh, when we're talking about the riches of the believer, John, you can just shoot through these real quick. We looked at our riches, we looked at our resurrection, and we looked at our reward as believers. And if you uh, want to hear those, we record the messages, so please just let me know and we'll get those to you. Next, um, we talked about the reflections of the believer, and we're still talking about the reflections of the believer. But three weeks ago, we talked about the revelation, the revolutions, and the uh, relationships of the believer. Uh, then we talked about the reason and the renewal and the reputations for the believer. And last week or the week before uh, we were having our missionary friends, we talked about what our reconciliation and our roamings are as believers. And we talked about four points, uh, but we didn't actually get to the fourth one because we're starting tonight off with the fourth one. So the three points that we looked at as, as we are walking, okay, Ephesians chapter 4 starts out with us. Now that we have this information, this is how we ought walk, okay? This is how we should walk. And our walk, ladies and gentlemen, is defined by our consistency, okay? And that's just, we talked a lot about it two weeks ago, but consistency. As followers of Jesus, we need to be consistent. Our talk should match our walk. You guys get what I'm saying? It's easy to talk the talk, but if you don't walk the walk, you're just leaving the reflection not of Christ and of yourself. So we need to be defined by consistency. Our walk also needs to be demonstrated by humility, Okay, because how many of you guys know that when you're proud, the Lord humbles the proud and the Lord exalts those who are humble. Okay, now that doesn't mean to go be humble just to be exalted because that's coming from it with a pride and a proud uh, state. But be humble and the Lord will exalt you. Okay, so that's really cool. And our walk needs to be demonstrated by humility. And our walk is emphasized by our unity. Okay, as believers, we need to be united. Okay, and we all come from, and I think if I remember right, uh, right I had us raise our hands um, two weeks ago uh, saying, what, where's my religious background when it comes to Christianity? Some of us Seventh-day Adventists, some of us Pentecostals, some of us Baptists, some of us Methodists. It doesn't matter what we put the name as, we all have unity in Christ, but we differ on some things. And so 
when, when we were thinking about those differences that we have, one of the things that really, really stuck out to me when it comes to the unity of the body of Christ was this quote that I gave you two weeks ago. And if you didn't write it down, I really want you to write it down now. And it's a quote by Augustine. You guys know who Augustine is? He lived in about the 4th century A.D., uh, and, and, and he was a brilliant, brilliant man, okay? And, and he was a follower of Christ and a leader of the church there at the time. And he said this, In the essentials, we have unity. In the non-essentials, we have liberty. So in those core doctrines, no matter what different group we belong to, in those core doctrines, those essential doctrines, we have unity. Now, in the ones that are non-essential, like when's the rapture happening? Is the rapture coming? Is it before or after? Or do we speak in tongues or do we not speak in tongues? Or are miracles today? All those things. Those things are the non-essentials, okay? And in the non-essentials, we have liberty. So it's okay if we don't agree on all those things. But in all things, we have charity, okay? And charity was the old way of saying, hey, we do things together for the Lord, Okay, and so that that was something that just really stuck out to me. So I wanted to hit it home with you guys. We don't need to agree on all the different theological views because the early church didn't. Okay, we see in the book of Acts multiple times where they disagreed with one another. Peter and Paul disagreed on some things. Paul and Barnabas disagreed on some things. James and Peter disagreed on some things. There were some disagreements in the early church. But hey, the thing is, there was still unity, there was still love, and the gospel was still furthered. And so for us, guys, that is our goal and that is our purpose as Christians to, with our diversity, have unity and go spread the gospel. Now I can stop here because that's what we're going to talk about the rest of tonight. That's the mini-sermon. Now we're going to get into into the meat of it all. So if our walk is defined by consistency, is demonstrated by humility, and emphasized by unity, now in chapter 4, verses 7 through 16, we're going to see how our walk is displayed by variety. So I don't know if that's up there, John. Oh, look at that. Our walk is displayed by variety. Okay? And so we're going to talk all about that variety tonight. But I think it's okay if we dive into description now. Is that okay with you guys? Uh-huh. All right. Man, you guys, that, that wasn't very confusing. Is it all right if we dive into the word? All right. There we go. This is what it says, picking up in verse 7. It says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this, he ascended, what does it mean but that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to be a perfect man, to the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning and craftiness or deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, 
from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which everyone does its part causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. Mm -hmm. Amen. That's a good portion of scripture. That's a meaty portion of scripture. And we're going to get uh, diving into that meaty portion of scripture now. Now I'm going to set my Bible over here. Um, and we're going to dive right into this thing, guys, because there's a lot of stuff that we want to cover. Um, and so verse uh, 11 gives us a, lift, uh, a list of all these different things, okay? Uh, and, and the reason why we had uh, our good friends Jeremy and Lydia Welty come and speak to us uh, last week, because it kind of sets up this portion of scripture that we're going to be diving into. They're going to go plant churches in an unreached people group, okay? And they are fulfilling a call that God has placed on their life. They are operating in a gifting that God has placed in them, okay? If you had an opportunity to be with us Sunday night to hear them speak again, it was a completely different message. And Jeremy's wife, Lydia, she preached the house down. It was amazing, okay? And this woman, she has the gifting of being a pastor teacher, okay? And her husband and her have the gift of being an apostle. And so we're going to talk all about what that means tonight. Uh, but verse 11 gives us this list of the different giftings that believers have. And what is the purpose of the giftings? And it's verse 12, for the edifying and the building up and the equipping of the saints. There's a variety in all churches, just as there's a variety of churches in all communities. And we are not cookie-cutter Christians, okay? Uh -huh. It's not, this is what an ideal Christian is, now cookie-cut, let's put them on the assembly line, and let's make a bunch of these kind of Christians. That's not how Christianity works, and that's not how it was ever intended to be. We are all gifted uniquely, uh, and we all show the aspects of Christ in our own unique way. Okay, If you are a follower of Jesus, and, and Christ has taken residence up in you, and His Holy Spirit has given you giftings, you, you are being equipped to now portray Christ to the world, but also to build up the saints, and we all do it in our own unique ways. So there is diversity in the body of Christ, and without this, how many of you guys would agree that without diversity, church and Christianity would be kind of boring? Okay? If you've ever seen, this is where I go nerdy on you, if you have ever seen Star Wars Episode 2, okay, Obi-Wan Kenobi goes to the planet Kamino. Yes, I even know the names of the planets, okay? He goes to the planet Kamino, which is where he has that little fight with Jango Fett, okay? But he goes to a cloning facility, and he sees all these people that look identical, that talk identical, even though they have a cool accent, they talk identical, and they do the exact same thing, and it's boring. It really is. There's a reason why the planet was like all gray and doom and gloom and raining all the time. Because when you're all the same, it's boring. Okay? God has us all unique and has gifted us all individually and specifically differently so that we can edify one another. I heard it said this way uh, by a pastor, Pastor Skip Heitzig, uh, of a church uh, in New Mexico. And he said this, he said, In order for diversity to make up unity, we all need to do our part and work in our giftings to glorify Christ. So we're talking about unity, okay, how our walk is emphasized in unity, but not only is it emphasized in unity, it is displayed in variety. So in order for this variety, this this differences amongst us to become unity we all need to do our part okay and if, if it's okay with you guys even if it's not i'm still going to do it but i'm going to get a little bit churchy on you tonight is that okay 
Okay, and I'm going to say some things that most of y'all agree with, but some of you might step on a few toes. Maybe, maybe y'all agree with it. Maybe it steps on all your guys' toes. So we're just going to have fun tonight. But we all need to get involved. Okay, church is not a place where you go and sit and that's it. We all need to get involved. That wasn't supposed to rhyme, but it happened on the spot. So write it down and tweet it. Sounds good. All right. It was, again, church is not a place where you go to, I can't even remember what it was. All right, we all need to be involved, uh, but not for our own glorification. Uh, not for our own glorification. It, 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 it's not us getting involved just so we look good, okay? But it's all to the glory of Christ. Our objective must be Christ's objective. Until when? Until verse 13 occurs. And what does verse 13 uh, say? Until we are perfected. Okay, and so we're going to get, this is all kind of just the run up, and then we're going to go verse by verse in just a few moments. Uh, but some of us know our giftings, uh, and others are testing the waters on what our giftings may be, but we all need to get involved. Okay, one thing is for sure with all this, um, y'all are needed, okay? Each and every single one of you, I want you to take your finger, put it up in the air like this, okay, now point it back at your chest, and say, I, I am needed yes you are okay you are needed so what is god's um uh purpose for you what is god's purpose for the diversity in the body of christ well we're going to look at the early church uh just to understand this a little bit better but paul writes um in verses uh 11 and 12 he writes this he says Open up your Bible still. Hopefully they're still open. He says this in verse uh, 11. He said, And he himself gave some, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, some to be pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The church is the body, and, and, and we ought to do some bodybuilding. Okay? This is where it gets killed. We're going to do some bodybuilding. I just saw Dusty put his hand up, and I'm going to actually talk about that in just a moment. Uh, actually, I'm going to do it right now. Dusty, Dusty just opened up a gym, okay? And it's a place where you can go work out. So I'm giving him a little bit of uh, propaganda right now. You can go work out for one dollar a day at Dusty's Fitness. It's a great time. I can speak from example. I'm dying right now because I am extremely sore, okay? Because as you can tell, I haven't worked out in a while, and I just started working out yesterday, okay? And the reason why is because I want to be a good steward of the body that God has given me. Okay? That's a very real thing. Okay? We are the temple. but That's a completely other sermon in and of itself. But as a whole, Americans are very, very intrigued with... Yes, they're very bad. Yes, for the most part they are. Uh, but no, they're very intrigued and they're very um, interested in the physical body. Okay, uh, in more ways than one. But many Americans are very much caught up with image. How do I look? How does my body look? What can I do to make my body better? And so <coughs> I'd give you a lot of boring statistics, and I'm not going to do that tonight, at least for this. I am going to give you some statistics later on. But a good majority of Americans, if you look at the trend of gym membership over the past few years, it has skyrocketed, okay? People care about their body. People care about working out, okay? The craze kind of came over when Arnold Schwarzenegger moved from Austria and became Mr. Olympian for like six years in a row. And everyone was like, I want an Arnold body, but not an Arnold accent. And, uh, and so then they all started working out, and now people are super cared. Um, but we, 
we as the church body, we need to do some bodybuilding also. And we're going to talk about uh, what bodybuilding is in the church tonight. But some people, okay, this is the part where I might step on some toes. Some people, when it comes to the church, they say, well, I don't want to go to church. I don't want to go to church. I don't like organized religion. How many of you guys have ever heard that before? Here's the funky part where I won't have you guys raise your hand. But how many of you have ever said that before? Right? Okay. I don't like church. I see one honest hand in the back. Thank you on the hand up. Yeah. I don't want to go to church because I don't like organized religion. Okay. And what this is, and I'm going to be blunt, is this is a cop-out for a lack of wanting accountability. Okay. If you do not want to go to church because you don't like organized religion or you don't want to wake up, let's be honest. The only reason you don't want to go to church is because you don't want to be accountable to somebody. When it really comes down to it, you might have convinced yourself something else. But when it comes down to it, if you do not want to go to church, and yes, I'm talking about like church, going to a building, having fellowship. Okay, If you don't want to go do that, which is biblical... You probably are wanting or lacking some accountability. And people who are like this, people who say these things, are dangerous in and of themselves. Okay? And now I'm going to get a little bit more steppy on toe Okay? Proverbs 18, verse 1, tells us how dangerous this is. And you guys can write that down or flip there on your own. But, but, but Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1, says that the person who seeks out isolation is dangerous. And the person who seeks out isolation hates and is against all sound wisdom. Now, wisdom, God is full of wisdom. And God invented, created wisdom. God is wisdom, okay? In 18.1. And if you want isolation, if you want to go and be alone and do your own thing, experience your own spirituality, whatnot, that's against God, okay, and that's biblical, and and so I want us uh, to understand this, uh, because God, at, as you guys remember, we talked like four weeks ago, when we were talking about the cost of unity, okay, <laughs> we talked about how God shed his own blood in, in God's infinite wisdom, okay, he died to establish the church, okay, now that's not talking the brick and mortar, that's talking about us, but he died so that we could be. And if the church is important to God, it better be important to us as well. Well, then the question would be raised, because I might have stepped on some toes. Well, can't I still be a Christian if I don't go to church? Okay, and technically, yes. Technically, yes, because if you believe in Jesus... You believe that God raised him from the dead, and you believe that he is Lord, and you confess it and believe it, you are saved. And Romans tells us that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So yes, technically we are saved. But John tells us, in the book of 1 John, it says this, If we love God, then we will love what? His people. If we love God, then we will love his people. And if we do not love his people, then we do not love God. That's kind of some important things there. So it is important for us to be together in the body in church. You can't have one without the other. It's like, uh, how many of you guys, I was in marching band. Like I said, the nerd's going to come out. I was in marching band. I played bass guitar in marching band, so it's a little bit better. But how many of you guys were ever in marching band or in band in school? Orchestra. Orchestra. 
required. Man, that's not as many as I thought there would be. Okay, well, how many of you have ever seen a marching band before? Anyone ever seen a marching band before? Okay. How many of you guys know what a sousaphone is? You know what a sousaphone is? It's like the wraparound tuba that you like walk around with and they're like doing the whole thing, like wraparound tuba, okay? Being a Christian but not in church is being like a sousaphone player without a marching band. Have you ever just heard a sousaphone solo? It's really bad. Have you ever bought a sousaphone solo CD to jam to? No, no one does that. It's not right. It's like being a soldier without an army, like a sailor without his boat, okay? Being a Christian without church is a problem because Christians, they need other Christians, and uh, y'all need the church. But here's the cool thing. What did I have you do just a few minutes ago? You took your finger and pointed, and you said what? We are the church. No, you said, I am needed. I am needed. The church needs you. Not only do you need the church, but the church needs you. Whether you think it does or you don't, it's biblical and it's God's plan for us. And the church, uh, the church needs all of us, okay? And it needs all of us doing uh, our part. So what is the key to us all getting involved? What is the key to us getting uh, involved and all of us being a part of the body, being a part of the church and having it function, having it be a Arnold Schwarzenegger type body rather than how many of you guys have seen the first Captain America when he's the toothpick? Okay, We don't want to be a toothpick body Christian. We want to be an Arnold body Christian. And when I'm talking Christian, I'm saying the church. We don't want a toothpick church. We want a bodybuilder church. Okay, And we're going to talk a little bit about that. And the key to this is God's spiritual giftings. Okay, and we're going to talk about some spiritual gifts uh, tonight. We have all been given gifts uh, by God. This is his plan. So thus, it would be an affront to God, or it would be kind of like spitting in God's face if you weren't interested in what your gift was. Okay, How many of you guys have ever given a gift to someone who just completely was like, I don't want a gift. Like, no, I'm rejecting it. That's a horrible gift. You should have done better. And they start like critiquing on how you bought your present for them. How many of you guys have been there? I've been there. I've given a gift to someone. They're like, oh, man, you shouldn't have done that. That was a bad gift. Like, this is what I really wanted. And they start, like, rubbing it in you that you did bad. Okay? God has given us gifts. And if we don't if we don't seek out what that gift is, if we don't look at to how that gift is to operate in our lives, hey, we're, like, spitting in God's face for the gift that he's given us. Wow. That's important. Okay? And so we're going to talk. And so if I stepped on toes, hey, that's okay because it's never too late. To start looking for what your gifting is. And all of us have been given gifts. So what are some of these gifts? Well, we must discover them. So in our roamings, okay, this is going back to what the title was. In our roamings and our sojourning as Christians. Paul also talks about our walk as a run, okay? So in our walk, as our walk is uh, displaying our uh, reflection, and if the reflection is Christ, uh, we need to realize that we don't walk alone, when we walk in the Spirit. I want you all to remember that. We don't walk alone when we walk in the Spirit. We were never called to walk alone. Okay, We were called to walk together. And we are very different. Okay, And in our backgrounds, uh, we're very different. We don't have the time tonight, but if I were to start here with Tammy in the front, work our way, snake our way all the way through back to John at the projector, uh, and if we were all to tell maybe our family background, Okay, uh, our lifestyle of how we grew up, maybe when we came to Christ, how we came to Christ. I guarantee you, for the most part, we are probably 99% different between all of us in this room. Okay, and and that's crazy 
Because where else in society, where else in the world, do people willingly go of all different groupings of, of different um, uh, backgrounds, different hobbies, and just go and actually hang out and have fellowship one with another? The answer might be school. Well, the state pays for you to be there. Work, well, you have to go there because you have to pay a bill. But church, people willingly go. Why? Because it is a working of the Spirit. It would not happen this way if God didn't ordain it, if God didn't give the Spirit to bring us together. So this only occurs uh, because the Spirit is moving. Um, and so, y'all know this. Y'all know we're different because how many of you guys have ever gone to church before? Almost every hand goes up. Now, how many of you who have been to church more than once, or maybe even more than twice, know there's some people in the church that you love, some people in the church that you like, there's other people in the church that you tolerate, there's some people in the church that you dislike, there's some that you avoid, there's some that you sit on the other side of the sanctuary from, and some of y'all, you don't even go, you just listen online, because you don't want to go because you see them there. There's a lot of different people in the church. A lot of different people, but here's the deal. In all of this, in all of this, God's got a plan. Come on. And God's got a plan for our diversity, our variety, to become unity. Mm. Okay, for the diversity to become unity. And this is God's bodybuilding workout plan. Okay? So if you want a workout plan, this is God's bodybuilding workout plan. First, God gives gifts to man. I even put them up there for you guys. First, God gives gifts to man. Second off, gifted men give to the church. Okay? God has given gifted men to the church. Then thirdly, gifted men serve the saints. And fourthly, the body is built up and is able to do God's work because of these. So God has given us gifted men, or uh, gifts to men. God has given gifted men to the church. Gifted men serve the saints or serve the body of Christ. And because of these things, uh, the body of Christ is built up. So, what is a gift? We're talking about gifts. What is a gift? That's a natural question. How many of you guys were thinking to yourself, well, what is a spiritual gift? I was. Okay, there we go, because none of y'all raised your hand. Um, But what is a spiritual gift? Since none of us raised our hand, we all know. What is a spiritual gift? What's that? Yeah, mercy. But 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 more than just like what is an individual gift, what does the word spiritual gift mean? I guess that's a better way of asking it. It's a good answer though, Haley. What is a spiritual gift? Like, what does that mean? Because a lot of people, the, the natural reaction is, well, my spiritual gift in God's given to me, oh, it's my natural talent. Okay? Natural talent. How many of you guys would say, hey, well, maybe natural talent would be God's gift to me? I'm naturally talented at this. This must be God's gift. Sounds like a natural idea. But that's not what it is because a spiritual gift is not a natural idea. A spiritual gift is a spiritual talent. Okay? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, whereas talent is natural, whereas your tendencies are natural, a spiritual gift is a spiritual talent to do the work of God. Now, sometimes these overlap. Okay? Sometimes they these overlap, and that's totally okay. Like, like a talent, one of your talents might be you have a good voice. Okay? And maybe your spiritual gift is a gift of encouragement. Okay? And so you can encourage and build people up through your voice. Okay? Bo is a prime example of that. Everyone give Bo some props. Yeah. Maybe you're someone who your talent is you're a visionary. 
Okay, you like excel in business and, and, and you're just a straight up visionary. You know how to promote a business and get it going and, and, and things going well. That's not your spiritual gifting. But if your spiritual gifting is like, let's say, the spiritual gift of an apostle. Okay, to have a visionary mind and to be someone who's got the gifting of an apostle. You're going to do some amazing things if you operate in your gift. Or maybe you're someone who's a good speaker. Okay, and and. I, one of the best examples, I heard someone say, Matt, that was far too kind. That's my sister. I love it. Uh, but no, I, I heard someone say that the best comedians in the world are just pastors who aren't operating in their gift. Okay? They've been given a gift, but they don't operate in it well. Because how many of you guys know, comedians, they know how to hold a crowd. And comedians, they know how to get a crowd's reaction. And they get across what they're trying to say. So now let's take a great comedian, give them the spiritual gift of teacher pastor, now you got someone who can stand up in front of thousands, proclaim the gospel, and because in the, the workings of the Spirit, through him the Spirit draws people unto Christ. So we need to learn what our gifts are and we need to operate in them. So the question would be, well, what if I don't have any talents? What, 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 what if I suck at everything I do? Well, tough luck. You're still going to minister for God. Let's take Moses, for example. Moses, God says, Go! Tell Pharaoh to let my people go. He's like, but, 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 but God, God, I, I, I can't, can't do it because I, I, I have a stutter. And God says, no, I'm going to speak for you. And he commissions Moses to go. And so Moses, unqualified, untalented, but given a gift from the Spirit, goes and is really the second greatest leader in the Bible. Amen. Probably the second greatest leader of all of history. The dude led over 6 million people out of a country that wanted to have war with them. Led them through wilderness into the promised land, all because of the giftings of the Spirit. So, verse 7, this is where we're going to jump into the meat, okay? Now I'm finally getting to the verse-by-verse verse part. All of you guys, take a deep breath. <gasps> now we're getting to the sermon. Alright, praise Jesus. What time is it? Okay, I still got a half hour. Praise the Lord. All right, 25 minutes really, actually. So verse 7, he's making this contrast. He's doing something that probably every single one of your uh, English teachers told you not to do. Everyone take a look at verse 7. How does verse 7 start? It starts with the word but. And I'm pretty much thinking that all my, hit, my, my, my English teachers told me, do not start a sentence with but. It's actually technically correct. It's just the improper. There we go. It's technically correct. And that's what I want to say to my teachers. I want to go back and say, look, it says but in the beginning of a sentence in the Bible. And that's inspired by God. So but can't really start a sentence. Amen. And so uh, uh, he starts with but. And why he's starting with but is because he's switching gears. He's now saying, since we've been talking about this unity, since we've been talking about the body collectively as believers, now we're going to start talking about each and every single one of us as individuals. The tendency in the church is when somebody, and I'm not saying our church, I'm just saying the church in general, in America, worldwide, the tendency is when someone gets saved, okay, when someone gets saved, we hook them up with somebody, and then that person, sometimes on purpose, but most of the time, they just do it innocently. They don't even know they're doing it, but they're trying to force this cookie-cutter mold over this person to try and make them into almost the exact same kind of Christian that they are. Okay? And while that's good in beliefs and in doctrine, that's not how God created us to be. Okay, We are all different. You guys are going to hear me like just try and nail that home all night. We're all different, but that's okay. Okay, We try and have them use the same Bible we use. How many of you guys know that if every single one of us 
use the Latin Vulgate, it would be extremely boring. Yeah. Okay? Now, I love the New King James, but I'll tell you what, I love to hear it when my buddy Aaron, who's not here tonight, reads from the New Living. Okay? My friends who got the ESV, I love it. Okay? Just to hear a different take on some things. Okay? And so we're not all supposed to be identical in everything. We're like snowflakes or fingerprints. Okay? 100% identical. I mean, uh, 100% different, not identical. Uh, wow. Um, and if, uh, if you guys read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 uh, on your own time, you're going to see how we all are given different gifts and they're going to operate differently. Okay? Uh, and, and there's a lot of places uh, in the Bible that, that, that I'm going to mention a little bit later on that talk about our gifts. But how many of you know great Bible teachers teach differently, even on the same portion of Scripture? Okay, Ephesians chapter 4, I'm preaching forever. And Josh could probably come up here, preach a five-minute sermon. You guys will get the same point, and I'll be able to go. We teach differently, and it's good. It's good. Josh would probably speak for ten minutes, not five. No, actually, Josh really speaks for like 35 minutes. He's a good guy like that. But um, we all teach it different. How, how many of you guys know evangelism? It works differently. Some people are Billy Grahams. They can get up and stand in front of tens of thousands of people, preach a message, and have people come. But then, someone who has the gift of evangelism, and the very real gift of evangelism working in their body, you put them up in front of 10,000 people, and they freeze. You get stage fright. But you sit them down in a coffee shop one-on-one, or one with two people, they might even do a better job than Billy Graham could one-on-one. Because the gift of evangelism is individual for what? The edifying of the body. So verse 8. Now we're going verse by verse. Okay, therefore he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Uh, right here, guys, Paul is quoting a psalm. Okay, you guys can go, this is homework if you want to accept it. Go look and find what psalm he's quoting. Okay, it's good. So you don't all get it from me, so you actually go study your Bible. That's good. So go find what psalm he's quoting. But what this psalm is, is a victory psalm. David is writing this after victory. And so what the tendency was, when in the ancient days a king would would win a battle, what he would do is he would take all the loot and all the spoils and all the booty of the people that he captured, and he would disperse it amongst his troops. And then what he would do is he'd get a parade together and put all the enemy troops that they just defeated, march them through their own hometown, and saying, look, we've defeated you. And then all those who were captive, who were on his side, who were now prisoners of war, he sets them free and parades them around saying, now look, we're in charge. Okay, This is what he's quoting. And this is what Jesus has done for us. Because Jesus is our mighty king and Satan was conquered. Okay, And then it goes on to say in verses 9 and 10, it says, Now this he ascended, what does that mean? But that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. What does this mean, and why is it here? Okay, Um, Descended, many scholars would believe that this descended uh, means the incarnation. God, being God, leaving his Heavenly home, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but humbled himself and became a man. Okay, the incarnation. And uh, many theologians and scholars will believe that this is what this means, because when you look at the term the lower parts of the earth, lower parts in the Greek is translated and is used sometimes as uh, death or the burial or the womb. 
Okay, the womb of the earth. So God going into the womb. Um, that's probably like that's a probable meaning. But we also must take into account what First Peter says. Okay, and First Peter gives the the story. And you guys can go and read on your own time. But the, after Jesus died on the cross, okay. Um, his spirit was still alive. The man dies, and the spirit goes then down into Hades, okay, and preaches, okay, this is what Peter tells us, preaches to the demonic forces and tells them, hey, you have no power over those who are in me, okay? And when he says preaches, he's not like doing a Billy Graham thing with the gift of evangelism. He's not teaching the demons, hey, you can be saved, Okay? It's not uh, the, the word preach that's evangelistic. It's the word preach that means to proclaim, to, to, to make known what is truth. And the truth that he makes known is that, hey, demons have no power over Christians. And that's something that you guys can take to the bank. Demons don't have power over you because Jesus died on the cross and rose again. Okay, so so this is a meaning uh, that it can mean as well. So the early uh, the early church believed that Christ died upon the cross and uh, His Spirit descends, preaches, then leads all those who were righteous before Christ. So like Moses, Abraham, all them leads them uh, with the keys uh, uh, to life and goes back up to heaven and takes them with him, leading those who were in captive, taking them captive back up to heaven. So why is this mentioned? Okay, that's a lot of theological information. You're like, okay, didn't need to know it. Why is it mentioned? Because Jesus ascended. Okay? And when he ascended, what did he do? He sent somebody. Who did Jesus send when he ascended? Yeah, he, he, he sent the Holy Spirit. He said, stay here in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you'll be my witnesses to me in Judea, Jerusalem, Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. I mixed up the, the cities, but that's okay. And uh, uh, he said the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, it's better that I go to the Father so that the Helper comes. Okay? He sends us the Holy Spirit. And guess what? The Holy Spirit gives us these gifts. Now, there's a list of the gifts here. There's five of them mentioned here, but there's much more than five. Okay? You can see them listed in Romans chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and 1 Corinthians 14 on your own. But these five we're going to just briefly talk about and I'm legitimately going to wrap up here in like five to ten minutes okay I'm putting a time limit but I'm not going to live by it the first is apostle y'all know when the pastor says a time it means nothing okay he just goes until he's done okay but uh apostle okay and so this one raises a lot of questions amongst different denominations okay is the office of apostle done okay because some people will, or some denominations will say, uh, this person is an apostle. This person is an apostle. Others will say, well, no, apostleship died uh, with the disciples. Okay? So, so what is the office of discipleship? What is the gifting of apostleship? Okay? And so in the strict sense, it is over. In the strict sense. Okay? Based off of the early church and the biblical accounts, um, for someone to be an apostle, they had to physically see Jesus' ministry and teachings and physically see his resurrection and do miracles. Okay? <coughs> and just judging by the looks of you guys, none of y'all are 2,000 years old. So you didn't walk with Jesus on earth. Okay? So by the strict sense... By the strict sense, it's over. But by the functional sense, it is very much alive today. Okay? And and it's still going today. And we know this even from the New Testament. Barnabas, Timothy, 
Titus, Junia, Paul, all folks who didn't see Jesus' ministry firsthand. But they all have the gifting of apostleship. And they hold the office of apostleship. And so, uh, apostle is, is literally meaning those who are the sent out ones. The sent out ones. Missionaries going to plant churches. Okay? So, in the functional sense, a missionary is an apostle. Wow. Does that make sense to you guys? Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, some people will say, oh, I'm an apostle, just so it sounds cool. Okay? That's okay. If you all want to sound cool, you can say, I'm Saint Matthew or Saint Brandon. Because we're all saints. That's what the Bible says. So if you really want to sound cool and throw apostle or saint in front of your name, do it. It's your own prerogative. But be humble. Remember? Be humble. Okay? Man. And we also know that this is true. Uh, and we're not just making this up. Uh, because the apostles themselves, the twelve, we have surviving writing from them. Okay? It's called the didache, which literally means... It's a Greek word, translated means the teachings of the twelve. Okay? And the earliest known copy we have of it is from before the Gospel of John was even written. Okay? And it says an apostle is a missionary. And then it also tells you how to deal with false apostles. So if you're dealing with a false apostle, someone who didn't see Jesus, it probably means apostle as a functional office is still, and as a functional gift, is still operating today. So, some of you might have the gifting of apostle. And so if you do, and you know it, praise God, we want to do what we can to help equip you to go and equip the saints. And if you're an apostle, that means you're the sent out ones. So if you have the gifting of apostle in your life, we want to help you. And we want to help commission you to send you to go do the work that God has put on you. So I encourage you, let us know and pray about it and say, man, God, what can I do? And if you don't know, hey, ask God, hey, am I an apostle? Do I have the gift of apostleship? If I do, God, show me. And God is faithful to his word and God will show us when we seek. The next office is the office of prophet. Okay, and when I'm saying office, I'm talking about giftings. Okay, it's the gifting of prophet. Okay, um, now this prophet is in the New Testament sense uh, more so than the Old Testament sense. Okay, because how many of y'all know uh, what prophets did in the Old Testament was they proclaimed Messiah was coming. Okay, has Messiah already come? <coughs> yes, Jesus Christ was Messiah. So that role of declaring, "Hey, Messiah is coming. Be ready for the salvation is coming." Okay, the salvation has already come. So now, what the, uh, the the office there of prophet is to do is to go tell about what was foretold. You tell about Jesus being the fulfillment, and also, what does it do? It brings the encouragement. So prophecy today is to encourage and to build up the church. So some of us, okay, have the gift of encouragement, and so much more so, we also have the gift of um, being a prophet and we can prophesy things okay I myself have been prophesied over by somebody okay where I'm praying and someone says hey I got a word of prophecy for you boom they prophesy and guess what it came true mm -hmm. wow go figure someone with the gift from God saying what the Lord is leading them to say and it coming true God is perfect okay and maybe some of you have the gift of prophecy and maybe it's not one of the more predominant gifts, but it's a gift that you have, and you operate in it every once in a while. And someone is edified because of what you say to them. 
And so, if you're someone who likes to encourage people, hey, start encouraging people even more. Because people need encouragement. How many of you guys know on a bad day you need some encouragement? Okay? So, prophets still around today. And very active. Okay? Evangelists. We don't have to spend a lot of time on that. Okay? Because uh, y'all got to be evangelists. But God has specifically gifted some of you as evangelists to go and bring the gospel to the lost. Wherever you go, however you go, lifestyle evangelism. Live what you believe. And how you live will lead other people because they see the truth and they see that it means something to you. And they say, hey, I want what you have. And then you tell them the gospel and they give their hearts to the Lord. Some of you are evangelists. I could very well say that the next Billy Graham could be in this room. That's real. That's real. And if you've got to get to evangelism, you need to seek that thing out and start hitting it up every chance you can. Because it's amazing. And for those of you who've had the opportunity to lead someone to Christ, the joy and the feeling that you get, not because you did something great, but because the gospel is being furthered, it's amazing and it's unmatchable. And it's a joy... We all got to experience, and we all get to experience. So, evangelists are still around. The last one, he says there in verse 11, and to some he gave to be pastors and teachers. Now, these are not two different things. It's one thing. Why? Because the Greek here, and I'm not going to get into the Greek because I don't know the Greek. It's all Greek to me. But here's the deal. (laughs) The Greek there is a word that means that and there combines the two. Okay, and so probably translated, it would be pastor teachers or a teacher pastor. Okay, and, and and so these this gift is is combined. Uh, being a good teacher is one of the requirements of being a pastor scripturally. Paul tells Titus and tells Timothy, if someone is to be a pastor, they need to be able to well teach the truth. So being a teacher is important for a pastor. But in America today, sadly, when people are looking for pastors, they're not looking for the ones who are the teachers. They're looking for the ones who can throw the biggest events or they can uh, have the cool show or, or they can do this and this. But we so often forget that pastor-teacher is that office, okay? And that pastors are to be teachers and they are to be building up us with the truth of God's word. Now the nice part about this, this is one of my favorite verses in all scripture. Verse 11, I mean, verse 12 says what? That all these are to uh, uh, bring together um, to, to equip the saints. Okay? All these are to equip the saints to do uh, the work and to edify the body. So guess what? One of the reasons why this is my favorite verse is because it means, hey, the pastor's not called to do it all. So that means I'm not supposed to do it all. And that's a lot of weight off my shoulders. It means Pastor Dave's not supposed to do it all. That's a lot of weight off his shoulders. And hey, as we've been saying the entire first part of the sermon, y'all need to get involved. And that's good. That's scriptural. And um, so pastors, one of the things pastors are gifted as a little bit also, they're divine talent scouts. They see people who have divine talents or spiritual gifts and, and say, hey, Y'all need to be doing this. So like when the person comes up and says, hey, man, I've been noticing your kids' ministry is lacking in this, lacking in this, or, 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 or whatever it is. I see you don't have a group for this kind of people, blah, 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 blah. It's like, all right, very good. Now you go do that. Well, why me? Well, because you were the one who saw it, so you 
aren't there to be able to fill that. And I'm going to do what I can to help you along and get that ministry up and going. And that's how ministries are birthed in church. Men's ministries? Well, who's ministering to the men? Well, you minister to the men. All right, perfect. Men's ministry. Women's ministry. You name it. Ministries are birthed in the church when people are operating in their giftings. And it's not just the pastor. You, each and every single one of you. I want you guys to take that finger that we used so aptly just a few minutes ago. The one you said, I'm needed. Now point it back at yourself and say, I am gifted. gifted. Yes, you are, and we need you. Right? You are gifted, and we need you. The church needs you. Not one person can do all the work, and we know this because Moses tried it. And Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, said, hey, uh, this is a problem. I saw you at the end of the day. You were a very mean person to people. So he said, what you ought to go do is get 70 men from all over the tribes of Israel and then let the 70 help you disseminate the work that needs to be done. Moses does it. Children of Israel. Works out good. The apostles. The apostles had people come to him and say, hey man, the Greeks are getting less food than the Hebrews and, and the women aren't being treated well. You guys got to do something. And like Peter sent back like, I'm trying to study God's word because I'm trying to preach to you. Why are you telling me about who's getting food and who's not? And so guess what? The Holy Spirit says, hey, let's get seven guys who are solid, full of the Spirit, and let's put them over that. And deacons are formed. Okay? It's an office in the church. Deacons. Those who are there to help in the things so that the pastor can do the work that he's been called to do. Dwight L. Moody, who is a um, just famous pastor. There's a college named after him in, in, in Chicago. Uh, great guy. He said this, I would rather uh, have ten people doing the work than one person doing the work of ten people. Okay? We need one another. This is God's workout plan. And why is it important? Okay? In the last three minutes, I'm going to tell you why it is important. This is verses 13 through 16. Read it, underline it, highlight it in your Bibles. The first is verse four, uh, is in verse 13. Why is God's workout plan important? One, because of unity. God's workout plan leads to unity. Secondly, verse 13, it brings maturity, the perfect man. The Greek word for perfect there is spiritual growth. And are any of us Christ in this room? Are any of us Jesus? Okay, then we all have work to do, okay? And so we all, none of us have arrived yet. We all still need to mature. So God's workout plan not only brings unity, but it also brings maturity. And lastly, in verse 14, it brings stability, Okay, and uh, and stability is what we need in the church. Okay, when there's uh, immaturity, um, immature people in the church are susceptible to people coming and teaching them those false doctrines. Okay, but what we need to do as Christians, following God's workout plan, is we need to become mature. How do we become mature? When people operate in their gifts. When there's a pastor who's teaching the Word of God. Feeding you the meat of the word rather than the milk of the word. And you guys are growing and becoming mature. And then you guys operating in your giftings because a mature Christian operates in their gifting. And so when we become mature Christians, we are less likely to fall aside. We are less likely to be drawn aside by a false teacher. And the church uh, is able uh, to do what it is supposed to do. Okay, And here, here's those statistics I told you I would give you. Um, the reason why people are falling away from the church, okay, and this is important to you guys, okay, the reason why people fall away from the church a lot today is because the church as a whole is not doing its job very well. It is not teaching us to, that, that, that we need to be operating in our gifts. 
Okay, it's not teaching that we all need to do this together. Okay, and because of that, okay, the average age in America right now is about 25. So I'm just going to lump us all in here. Okay, we're the average of America age-wise. You know what the average age of the church is? It's 55. Your guys' generation is the gap that is missing in churches because they're leaving churches, because they're not finding what their spiritual gifting is. They're becoming dead. They're becoming stale in what they do. They lose the joy that they had when they first found Jesus, and they walk away, and they never come back. So my encouragement to you guys, and I believe what the encouragement from God's word and from Paul writing here to the church in Ephesians, or, 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 or the church in Ephesus, is, hey, Find out what your spiritual gifting is. Know that you have a spiritual gifting. And know that the church needs your gift. The church needs you. That's not the, I want you, Uncle Sam. That's, that's the church needs you. And the church needs you to find out what your gift is and to operate in it. And we are changing this right here. Okay? We are changing this. Maybe just as a small example, Ecclesia, boom. We are changing this because we are united. All different backgrounds. Different churches even represented here. Okay? And there's unity. Not only is there unity, but we're we're becoming mature. How many of you guys would agree that even just tonight you've learned something new about Scripture? Almost every hand. Look at that. Maturity is being formed here. So not only are we united, but we have this maturity. And because the teaching is leading to maturity, the unity and the maturity will promote stability. Because our walk is defined by consistency. We're stable. So as followers of Christ, we ought be stable in all things we do. And this is what it says. And this is closing. So Bo, I'm going to have you come on up here and grab your guitar. This is what it says in closing. Then we're going to go to prayer. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles, or if it's still open, to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Let me know when you're there by saying holla. If you're not there, let me know by saying hold up. There we go, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. This is what it says. It says, From whom, this being Christ, the whole body joined and knit together by every... By what every joint supplies. You guys are the joints that hold the body together and you supply something according to the effective working by which every part does its share. Not most of the parts, not some of the parts, but all the parts do their share. Okay? So when we are knit together as that body with the joints doing their things and we all come together uh, doing our share, this causes growth of the body. For the edifying of itself in love. The edifying of itself in love. How many of you guys know that 1 John tells us God is love? Okay, and so if we're edifying ourselves in love, guess what? When we all work together, when we all operate in our gifts, when we bodybuild this body for Christ, guess who's glorified ultimately in all of it? And it's God. So it's not about us. It's about God. And God loves us with a love that is so amazing. It doesn't matter what we do. His love is always there. And His love is there to spur us on. Is there to drive us forward. Is there to promote unity. Is there to promote maturity. And is there to sustain us in 
stability. It's all about God's love. So with that, I'm going to ask you guys just to stand up, bow your heads, close your eyes, and we're going to pray for each and every single one of us. And then Bo's going to lead us in this song. Then we're going to go and we're going to fellowship. But if you would, bow your head and close your eyes with me. Dear God, God, we thank you for your love. God, we thank you that, God, that you loved us while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. God, that you so loved the world that you sent your only begotten Son, that whosoever may believe in him will have eternal life. God, we thank you that you love us. God, we thank you that you died for us. We thank you that you rose again and that you sent the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. God, and we thank you for the giftings that you have given us. You've given them freely. You've measured them out to us like a king who just won a victory. God, you won the ultimate victory over death when you died upon the cross. And you have given us the spoils. You have given us gifts. God, we thank you for those gifts. God, and we just pray that tonight for those of uh, us who are here, God, who know what our gifting is. God, I pray that you would continue to encourage us in that gifting. God, you would give us opportunity to operate in our gifting. God, and that our gifting would just so build up inside of us that, God, it would have nowhere but to go but out. And, God, people would see that. And the lost would see that. And the lost would find you. God, for those who don't know the giftings. God, maybe it's because they're still searching. They're still questioning. I don't know what my gifting is. I'm testing the waters. God, may you just reveal the giftings that you have. God, may you give them the gifts. And may they operate in them. And then, God, for those who said, I didn't even know I had a gift. Well, God, now they know. And so, God, for those people, may they begin to search out what your gifting is. God, may we look into what your scripture has to say, what these gifts are. God, we pray that tonight this word would have encouraged us. God, that your truths and your scripture, God, that they inspire us. God, and that we would all be challenged. Those who are operating in their gifts, those who know their gifts, those who are searching for their gifts. God, may we be challenged to go find our gifts, to operate in our gifts, and to go proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that desperately needs it. To a world who needs to hear, who needs to know about your love. Your unfailing love, your unchanging love, your unconditional love, the love that saves the world. So God, we thank you and we praise you. God, go with us as we go from this place. God, and we pray these things and we believe these things in your son's wonderful and beautiful name, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, Amen. Amen.